Welcome to the Film 7 Podcast, the show that keeps you updated with the latest TV and movie news. My name is Andy and I've got here with me Jake. Hello Andy, very glad to be here and excited for what you have in store today. How are you doing? I'm doing quite good. All roads lead to the Oscars this week, so... Yes, it is the final crunch week now. Have you seen most of the movies yet or are you still trying to pick up on those? I've seen a couple. I haven't seen all of them, but I might see the winners after the event okay i'll just watch the winners yeah i've been trying to watch as many of the win- of the best picture mm. uh ones just so i can um get a better understanding on who i think could win at the minute it looks like roma's probably going to take the cake but with the amount of possible contenders it looks very tight one of the tightest i've seen in a, in a, quite a few years oh really yeah because i've watched most of the movies now and, and they're all very very good movies i think it could go either way oh, i shall see yeah. <laughs> we're now going to kick off the show with our first segment, which is movie and TV news. So our first topic of movie and TV news this week is, we knew this was going to happen. It was inevitable, but it's finally confirmed now. So Netflix have cancelled The Punisher and Jessica Jones, bringing an end to the Marvel Netflix Defenders universe, you could call it. Uh, so as we know, we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, Punisher Season 2 just came out. That was that is now officially the last season of The Punisher we'll see. Uh, and we've got Jessica Jones Season 3 that's still uh, coming out. But after that, there will be no more. So you heard the news. I text this to you as soon as, it, as soon as it dropped and you weren't particularly happy. So what are your overall thoughts about the cancellation of this Marvel Netflix universe now? Well... It was fun while it lasted. That's all I'll say. It was fun while it lasted. It, they, they were really good shows. You know, most people loved them. Apart from maybe Iron Fist, that was a bit divisive. The others were really nice. Everybody loved it. They were not, they were different from what we got in the cinema. It wasn't just taking it away from the cinema and putting it on Netflix. It, it was a completely different thing from what we see in the cinema. The stories were good. The acting was good. It was just really good and it was fun while it lasted. It's such a shame it has to come to an end like this. But um, I guess they say all good things come to an end. And when I say end, I put end on quotes because there is, you know, the potential of maybe it being revived in the, in the, in the other platform. So we'll see how that goes. But I loved it. It was fun. Most people I know loved it. Everybody looked forward to it. And I'm just sad to see it go. I'm dead, I'm genuinely sad. I was hoping to see more titles, not them taking it away. But it is what it is. Yeah, you pretty much said it uh, nail on the head. You know, all good things do have to come to an end at some point. Like you, I was a fan of most of the series. My particular favorites were Daredevil and Punisher. Um, I mean, Daredevil season one, as soon as that came out, I was hooked immediately. And I just could not stop watching that show. The main reason why I like these shows is because obviously me being a huge comic book fan and seeing all these big, you know, fantasy style movies that are happening on the big screen, we sometimes forget what the character aspects are like of these superhero characters that you don't get to go deep on in the movies because you've only got a select amount of time, which is what I loved they did with characters like Daredevil, Punisher and Jessica Jones as well, looking to mature adult themes, anything ranging from, you know, and Jessica Jones, the, the sex and rape, rape aspect of things. Punisher, we had PTSD and, and all things like that. So really, really adult, mature stuff. And it 
I liked the fact that I could go to the cinemas, have a good time with these big fantasy movies, but stay at home and get really deep with these characters. It, it was a nice yin and yang. So on that note, I am sad to see them go away. However, there is a possibility that I've heard rumblings that it could come back, but not on Netflix. Uh, so as we know, the Disney-Fox merger is happening. Fox, I think, own Hulu, the streaming service, which is not available in UK, is only available in the US. 60% of that is going to be owned by Disney. And I've heard rumors that they could bring those shows back to Hulu specifically. So that's where we'll get more of those characters, but we don't know. I also think that would be a good idea because then you could have the Disney Plus streaming service for the more the PG-13 stuff, you know, that stuff that teenagers and above could watch and then have the more mature stuff on Hulu, which is owned by Disney. Another rumor that I did hear, well, I wouldn't say this is a rumor, I'd say this is more fact. I, I can see why this would happen. The reason they're canceling these shows is because of the licensing, licensing fees. Because you can imagine how expensive it would cost to borrow the licenses, because they're not, Netflix don't own these properties. They do belong to Disney, these characters. So they obviously have to pay Disney a certain amount to use these characters in their shows. I can see why they would go, nah, these are costing us too much. We're going to focus on more our original content, much like as we're going to be reviewing later, the Umbrella Academy. So I can see why they're, go they're sort of like, yeah, let, let, let's focus on what we want to do because we're not earning as much out of this as we could be. It's just, yeah, it's, a, it's an end of an era. Uh, and it's mostly sad because I particularly loved Charlie Cox as Daredevil and Matt Murdock and um, John Berthenel's uh, Frank Castle. That, that two perfect castings. And, and it's just a shame to not be looking forward to seeing them again. Yeah. At I least mean, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I know a lot of people that they weren't even into comic books or, and things like that. But these shows on Netflix, you know, really converted them. They were they started to understand the concept of superheroes and all of that just by watching, you know, watching it. And well, usually shows are cancelled because they went the the, the the viewership fell or they just ran out of ideas but this one had to do with the business side of things so yeah because as we know they they had plans for luke cage season three because you know you don't end season two like that without having plans for a season three even though daredevil was pretty much wrapped up in a bow very nicely you could have that as a trilogy of series the showrunner did state that they did have plans for a season four if they were given the green light to do it. You know, they, they were in development of that. So they were planning on moving forward, but they just got axed. And unfortunately, that's just the way things are sometimes. So staying on the side of streaming. So we go to Amazon. Uh, sorry, I should say Netflix's biggest competition, which is Amazon. So Amazon Studios now they are going to start making films that will skip theatrical release. So before Amazon Studios used to make films and they used to release them for at least 90 days in the cinema to have a theatrical release. They're looking at not completely abandoning that, but focusing more that just goes straight on the service. So I want to get your opinions about this and also the future of cinema and how we consume movies like do you think this is a positive way forward or do you th or do you are you more of a cinephile and do you love just going to the cinema and appreciating it that way yeah before i go into that did you also hear that apple is on the verge of launching their own streaming service in september no i think it's even earlier Yeah, so, you know, it, it's clear when companies, innovative companies like Apple are doing this and Disney, these are, these are not sole 
proprietor kind of business models where one person is making all the decisions. This is, they have really intelligent people and they've caught on a trend, you know, and it's true. These days, people are consuming content differently and it's just the way to go. Streaming is here to stay. It's not a, a bubble that's going to burst or something. It's here to stay at least for the next 10 years. This is streaming is just going to be where it's at. I still enjoy going to the movies. I still enjoy it. I really do because it's not just the movie that, um, you know, it's all about what the movie in itself. It's the whole experience, the whole going to the cinema, the whole getting your popcorn and your hot dog and you're sitting down there and watching trailers. There is a whole experience around the film itself. And I wouldn't want that to be a thing of the past. It's It's been there for generations you know right from when we they right from the roman empire when people would take their kids to the um coliseum to watch these things that whole vibe of going to a place to watch entertainment has been a part of human existence and right now these guys have said nope you don't need to go anywhere you need you can sit down at home and consume all that content no for me no i i, I still i still think cinema is part of when i say cinema i mean going to the cinema is part of just being alive basically i don't want that experience to go however the trend is once Amazon does this and it works, then all the studios are going to do it. You know, Disney is now going to do it and everybody's going to do it. Before you know it, going to the cinema is just going to be something like, um, what, would, what, what example can I give? Well, I think the, like you said, the studios will start to follow this trend of, you know, just releasing, releasing stuff straight to their streaming service. I think the cinema will be left for the big spectacle films such as Avengers, Star Wars, those type of films. The, the movies that they can pump a lot of money into and know they can get loads of money back from by releasing it into the cinemas. The smaller budget movies don't do that well at the cinemas that recently as we have statistics showing that. You know, the sort of under $100 million budgeted movies, it's just not worth it. Right now in the state of the movie industry, the only way you can warrant releasing a film in the cinema is if it's a comic book movie or a big sci-fi property that people know or if it's a very low budget drama or horror something that you've made for peanuts you could put it in the cinema and if it gets good word of mouth you'll make your money back i actually disagree i think that if amazon goes on with this and it works out for them everybody's gonna go with it and then eventually these big blockbusters these superhero movies, they would be released on, on, on demand. They will not be in the cinema. It will all be on demand. You know, somebody may have said when we used to watch um, plays, you know, not a film like a play. People would have been like people and people that there was that adaptation of plays into movies. People may have been at that time like, no, we'll always still watch plays. Everyone will still love the play. Everybody wants to see actors and the actresses and they want to see the set but slowly and surely now nobody watches plays anymore everybody watches it as a film and I, that that can happen to this so it starts off as you said it will start off with um, only the blockbusters remain in the cinemas and the other not so big budget movies come out on demand but after a while if this continues very soon you will see you, you will watch a trailer and they'll say only available on amazon prime or only available on netflix so 
I agree. I can see that's the way it's moving forward. Much like you, the, me as a cinephile, I'm just sad that that is kind of going that way because it's like you said, it's the whole experience of going to the cinema. You know, the wall-to-wall -wall screen, the sound, you know, all the speakers around you. You don't get that at home. You can get the best sound system you want at home and the best, you know, 4K screen you can buy on the market. It will not compare to going to the cinema. I like to go to the cinema as much as possible. Like, the first time I, I see a film, if the chance is there, I would go to see it in the cinema. You know, you know what I mean? There's just something about capturing the magic of watching it for the first time in the cinema. Saying that, I do see why it's moving this way. It's just the natural progression of things. So for now, I'll just say, let's see. Let's see where, where the next few years in the industry takes us. Saves them a lot of money. It does, yeah, it does, which is, a, which is a, you know, unfortunate to say it's a big, big factor in the movie industry is money. It's pretty much the most important factor for these studios, but hey, that's just the way it is. So speaking of blockbusters, we fly on into Captain Marvel. So the movie is about, I'd say a couple of weeks away now, two, three weeks away. Can't wait for that. And the first reactions have just been released. Okay, how are they? They're amazing. Everybody is loving this movie. It's another hit for Marvel. You know, uh, critics uh, are saying that, you know, Brie Larson kicks ass in this role. It's a cosmic fun adventure along the lines of Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok, which, which, which is two of my favorite films in the MCU. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, and, you know, the box office uh, is tracking to, it's gonna earn over a hundred million plus on its opening weekend. I can't wait for this, you know what I mean? And I think as well, you normally know what a movie is gonna be like by, by how early they let the critics see it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're about three weeks away from this movie. If they've let the critics see it and then said immediately after, talk about it, that shows confidence in the movie. They are so proud of what they're, they have. Exactly, they're proud of it. They want the world to know that this movie is fantastic and that critics everywhere love it. So that's, that's, that's great. When a movie is like, and they, for example, critics go see it and they say, you can't, re you can't review the movie or you can't, you're under embargo until like a day before the, or two days before that's that's when you know mm, something's happening they don't want people to know early in advance that this movie is going to be terrible or whatever i'm yeah. looking forward to it i am really looking forward to it because it's sort of a precursor to the film everybody is talking yeah, about yeah. endgame is the precursor to it so you ca they can't go wrong it, it's going to be a very good film yeah and i'm looking forward to it because it's going to be a very different film i think to endgame I think this is going to be more lighthearted than Endgame. Endgame's going to be quite a serious. Obviously, it's going to have the Marvel quips and jokes that we all know and love in the right places, but it's going to be a much more serious, dramatic film. So to have this one come out just before it, too, I think it looks like it's going to be more of a fun, sci-fi, 90s, nostalgic sort of piece of film. I'm all up for it, man. Like, I, just, I just can't wait. And uh, Have you got your tickets yet? No, I haven't got my tickets I've yet, got my tickets. No. They're already booked. I'm looking forward to seeing Samuel Jackson. I've missed him in a couple of movies, so it's good to bring him back. And I finally want to know what he meant by that statement where he said, the last time I trust someone, I lost an eye. So I Yeah, I think we're going to find out how he loses the eye. I think we're going to find out in this film how that happens. So that's something I'm also thinking about while I go watch it. But in addition to that, I'm really looking forward to the de-aging technology they're using on Samuel Jackson. And to cut off, like, this is based in, like, obviously the 90s, I think could be early to mid-90s. That's, like, nearly 20 years that they've got to shave off the guy's face. So, And, and in the trailers, it's 
it looks amazing. I, I just I can't comprehend how they're doing this stuff. I mean, if they could make a man be an ape, what's taking away a couple of wrinkles? It's yeah, just I mean, going to be easy for them, won't it? It's, it's, it's getting to a whole new level, this uh, visual effects stuff. Where it will be in... Um, I heard um, this is not related to film, but I, I I read something a couple of days ago about Tesla. There is a technology where they develop. I don't have the full details, but the AI is so advanced, it can literally write a story, like it was done by a human being, and it's so good. Now the question is, they are scared of releasing it to the public for public use because if that happens people can take it and start spewing fake news a lot of a lot of fake news and the world is just going to go to bits if that happens so um you know it's crazy how far the tech has gone like very soon we probably wouldn't have actors anymore it would be very much like well it'd be a lot of it would be motion cap i still think there will always be a need for actors but actors will have to adapt to what's behind them if you know what I mean. They're not going to be shooting on location anymore. They're going to be shooting in a studio with a green screen. More and more films, well, the big blockbusters anyway, that's how they're moving forward. So imagine a world where an actor is actually not a person. It's actually a character that is developed by AI. Oh, I don't know about that. It can happen. Uh, Look, it, think about it. I mean, it, it can happen. I'm not a fan of that, but hey. You know, you're not a fan, but imagine people who are going to be like, born into a world where this is the current technology you know for example some people a lot of people today were born in the, into the internet there was a time before the internet and it's inconceivable to believe that there was ever a time without the internet it's going to be like this people are born into this age of mocap and this age of advanced cgi and all of that some days i watch the behind the scene take on some films and i literally cannot couldn't tell oh this was vfx that was vfx so they've gone so far ahead that um so people that are born into this age and that's all they've ever known they're not going to be satisfied with where we are right now they're going to want to push the limits and to us it's going to look like whoa you're doing you're, you know you're taking it too far but to them it's just going to be like no this is just a step a little step forward but I don't think where we are now, I mean, we were talking earlier about um, how we consume content. I don't think where we are today is where we're going to be in, say, five or seven years. It's oh, it'll be, be totally different. Totally different. Not even a blend of what we have, a, a totally different. You think, because going back to like how we consume media, five years ago, th it, this was unheard of. Yeah. And that's only five years. Look how much we've come in five years. This is, that's insane. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Game of Thrones, how long has that been going on? Seven? Seven, Eight, yeah. eight years? Yes. Eight years. Oh, nine years. Because they skipped a year, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So it's been going on for nine years. Do you know what I mean? And since then, obviously, Game of Thrones is one of the first TV shows to be taken really seriously. Since then, it's just expanded and shot up like crazy. Now we've got really really good tv shows coming left front and center from you get a tv show you get a tv show you get a tv everybody's getting tv shows and for me like i said I, I do want to go to the cinema but you're telling really compelling stories in tv because it's longer mm. and you have that space to do it segueing into that talking about tv series now everybody listening take this with the hugest grain of salt you can imagine <laughs> take this with a shot of penicillin okay <laughs> you know we're not here to talk about we've scooped up this thing this is just something we've heard and we're going to talk about it because we love talking about star wars so what we've heard is that there is an obi-wan kenobi 
TV series to be developed for the Disney Plus streaming service. Start this one off, Andy. What do you think of this news? So, something about Obi-Wan, yes. Making it a TV series, I'm like, mm, it may be too slow. Because what is the story of Obi-Wan? He is, well, now that I think about it, he escapes the, he escapes Order 66, goes, escapes to Tatooine and lives the rest of his days there until he receives a message from Layla and, you know, the whole thing starts. I don't know if there's enough proper story to fill in an entire series. I would have loved to see it as a film. So they're only talking about the high points. I want because if I don't see Obi Wan, I don't want to see Obi Wan learning to hunt. I want to see Obi Wan with his lightsaber using the Force. That's what I want to see. So if you have a story of him doing anything else, personally, I wouldn't be a fan of that. I want what I want is an Obi Wan film. I am not too convinced that there is enough material to make a compelling series you know a series is like a book a series is like a book you read the first page you want to turn over you read the second page you want to turn over a series should do that shouldn't be this torturous journey of watching somebody doing something it shouldn't be that so my take is give me a film i'm not too sure about a series okay i'm gonna disagree with you there i'm gonna go the opposite and i'm saying i've been shouting at this for a few months now since the the idea of Obi-Wan Kenobi and that it was Obi-Wan Kenobi movie and that it's been put on hold and all that stuff. I've been saying this for ages. Give me a TV series about Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I, I think there's plenty of, inform- of storytelling to be put there. There's 19 years. 19 years. What was he doing for 19 years? So here's my, here's my pitch for an Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. You can make this into a, a, a tri- I think you, this needs to be at least a trilogy if you're going to do it. So three movies or a TV show. But for me, I want, I want the TV series. There's plenty of things within the, the Star Wars movies that hint that Obi-Wan tried one last time to get Anakin back from the dark side, AKA, as we know, Darth Vader, okay? In episode four, A New Hope, when they, when they get first get into the Death Star and Darth Vader comes out and he says, I felt something, a presence I've not felt since, and then walks away. That's interesting. And then in Return of the Jedi, uh, when Luke's trying to say, you know, they're still good in, they're still good in you, I can, I can try to save you. And he says, Obi-Wan once thought as you did. Okay, and then it's also stuff that Luke's that Obi Wan, as a Force Ghost, says to Luke. He says he's more than machine now than man, twisted and you know forever evil sort of thing, which I think there's a lot there to play with. I think you have Obi Wan, you know, he's a hermit on Tatooine, obviously looking after Luke, and I really think you can tell a compelling story of one last adventure for Obi Wan Kenobi, where he confronts Darth Vader. And they have, they do have that obviously before A New Hope, that last fight. But him trying to say, I'm going to try one more time. And that's why he's, when he tries that one more time, he fails. He realizes he's more machine now than man. And in A New Hope, he says, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Is there's, there's a lot there I think you can play with. And I think by giving it a TV series, you can really get into the psyche of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Do you know what I mean? You have to spend more time with the character of Obi-Wan. I want to see him learning the ability to turn into a Force Ghost. Have him talking to Qui-Gon Jinn. Have him talking to Dagobah. 
you know, that sort of force transmission sort of thing, the force Skype that we were introduced to in The Last Jedi, any of those sort of things, man, that, that for me is good Star Wars storytelling. And I think you can do it. I want to see Obi-Wan Kenobi very similar to like Logan, where you follow this character on this journey, like a sort of Western vibe, but obviously with all the history that belongs to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Star Wars. So that that's my take on Obi-Wan Kenobi series. There's, there's certainly content for Obi-Wan. There is certainly content. I just, you know, we'll see. But, you know, I think, do you not get the feeling that sometimes when you have some of these mature themes that you, you need to tell, mature stories that you need to tell sometimes, especially in TV series, they kind of drag it. They kind of drag it. Something that in a film you just do that in one scene. Yeah, I, no, I do. I do agree. It's like some TV shows do drag on, which is why you need to just make the story and cut it to whatever episodes you th like. I don't want a series that has filler episodes. If you know what I mean, like what you're saying, I want a direct story. So if it's six episodes, cool, I'm fine with that. Six episodes, it's just six hours. That's three movies. Mm. Is it is basically what it is, but it gives me the option to just chill at home and watch this character's story, and I don't have to wait every couple of years for the next chapter. Do you, I want to see Obi Wan Kenobi's story and then move on to the next Star Wars story? That's the, all the news wrapped up. So now we're going to go into our next segment of the show, which is a movie or TV TV review. This week we'll be discussing. The Umbrella Academy. In October 1989, 43 women around the world gave birth. None of these women had been pregnant when the day first began. I have adopted six such children, gifted with abilities. I give you The Umbrella Academy. The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. So this is a property, it's a dark horse comic, written by Jared Way, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance and drawn by Gabrielle Ba. And Netflix acquired the rights to make a series. And Andy, I'm gonna let you start this one off. We both just finished it today as we record this episode. Go ahead, what are your overall thoughts about the TV series that you just binged through? So, I liked a lot of it. There were so many good things. This was a different way to tell the su a superhero story, a different way. Normally, superhero films are all about how strong this person is and him beating people up or how powerful he is and him using his power to get what he wants or him discovering his power or learning how to use the power that he has discovered. Those are the usual themes in a superhero film. But this, this Umbrella Academy, it didn't go down that route, you know, it was more, there was more adventure, there was more talk and more adventure than power play, than using their superpowers. You know, for example, forgive me because I don't know the names, so I'm going to describe them. For example, the, um, the, the lady, the one who can wish... Uh, rumor, number four. Number four. No, sorry, she is number three. Right. She's number three. Right, number three. I only knew about her powers in episode seven or eight. You know, I knew she had powers. I knew all of them had powers, but I didn't know. So they, they didn't want to make it just another basic superhero thing. You know, they wanted to give it much depth, you know, and it was an adventure, how this is happening now. So I really liked it. It was a new new way of telling a superhero story, which was good. It's sort of like, um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Batman movie and we, you know, the, 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 the directors came out and said, it's going to be more detective kind of thing. So 
in my opinion, this is sort of the, of the same class. It's not just about using your powers or you being a superhero. There was a story, there was dialogue, there was character development and all of that. You know, you could see they, they spent time expanding on in a number of um, aspects of each of them's character so that was really good so that was a good take on a new way to look at superhero films and i really appreciate that we really appreciated that you know i'm always about give me something new i hate it when you give me the same old stuff you know i'm always whenever something is new i'm you know I'm, i sign up i you know i love it so they did that well now what i didn't like in certain areas my biggest problem was the love story between the, the ape guy luther number Lu one number one yeah, yeah. and and um number Rumor, yeah yeah anytime that came on it was just it was it was painful to watch it was for the lack of a better word this is not going to sound nice it was nauseating it, it was slow it was boring it, it was like do you know that love thing between them you could have taken that out of the series and still told the exact same story it was not needed in any way if for anything it was just slowing down the tempo of the of the of the whole thing and making it very unbelievable so they'd want to go somewhere then she'd come in ah it was just really it was annoying to be to be honest that part of it annoyed me but mary j blige I, i'm so happy for mary j blige i knew she could act but she really killed it in this one i loved her acting i think everybody gave a good performance every one of the actors gave or actresses they gave a very good performance and i really loved that mary j blige was amazing um i don't know their names but they were just really nice and the casting too they cast the right people and you can tell from just by looking at the character what his story was and that's proper casting so the casting was good the production was good it was well made was it looked beautiful it has a very good story the only part of the story and the, that I, the only part I did not like was the love story between number one and number three. Apart from that, it was really good. Um, then we have to talk about the ending, but I want to hear your review first before we talk, we'll talk about, about the, the ending. ending. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I echo a lot of your thoughts. Like for people who are have the fatigue of superhero TV shows or movies, this is the show for you if you're tired of that. And this is a bonkers crazy world that they make and as soon as you press play you're immediately in that world in that world and you don't really go oh this is kind of weird they've just made it believable in a way there's all these weird things because this is a very strange show the characters are strange they have strange powers you know the whole concept of the show and the comic book the storyline is weird yeah what were you gonna say yeah, i was gonna say at some point when i watched it i said to myself this is Professor X in an alternate universe. This is the X-Men in an alternate universe. The thing I really liked about the show is that there are so many characters and they're all presented at once. Here are all the characters. But what it does very well is that it gives you montages throughout the series, followed with some amazing music choice, if I have to say as well. And it gives you just little bits throughout the shows of like, this is this character's backstory or this is this incident that happened related to that character's backstory giving you these little you know little tidbits of their history so as you go on this journey with them you're like oh you feel for them a bit more you know what's happened to them but like you said you look at them because the casting was done so well you look at them and go i can see what type of upbringing they had from the first episode you could immediately tell sort of thing it also now i want it like this show is not for children this is a mature show 
Now, there's a lot of bloodshed, there's a lot of violence and stuff like that, but it does it without this show ever being dark. It's not a dark show. It's not depressing, sour. There's always this element of quirkiness to the show that, you know, all this stuff is going on and you're still like, well, this is really entertaining and the characters, like, there are serious stakes involved, but it's done so well that you're not, it's not like a daredevil where you're on the edge of your seat sort of thing. The chemistry between all the, the Academy were fantastic. I think my personal favorite character was number four, which was Klaus. Which one was that? The one who can speak to the dead, the junkie. He was my first, like every time he came on screen, he lit up the scene. Do you know what I mean? He was, he had, he was very charismatic and his, his chemistry with every character was perfect. I thought his overall story arc uh, was the best. I thought he develops the most. By the time, by the time we first see him in episode one, by the time we see him in episode 10, I think he's changed the most if you know what I mean. Yes. And that's another thing I really liked about this show was the, the, the character arcs for each character. So each character, you're going, they're having their own story. They're going through their own sort of journey, but everybody is all linking up to the finale at the end, which I think was done incredibly well. Do you know what I mean? Like never once was I bored of a certain storyline uh, between the characters. I didn't mind the love story. Personally, I thought I thought I thought it was okay. I wasn't anything special. I didn't I wasn't like sparks or anything like that But I thought it wasn't done badly. You, you, you don't think it slowed down the pace in any Not way? Not for me. No, no there, there were a couple of other scenes I thought slowed down the pacing uh, regarding Mary J Blige and the other character that were the people in suits I like that element of it at times I did, I did get bored of their element I'm not I don't know why it just didn't do it for me as well but I really didn't like the character that Mary J Blige was playing if, if you know what I mean like but I think that's done intentionally you're not supposed to like this character I think they're bad guys yeah they're bad guys but, but you really felt for the other guy the one who was just like I'm tired of this I just want a, a normal life sort of thing so yeah all the dynamic the chemistry is 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 perfect for me I think the way the story's structured I think is really interesting because it jumps through time. It's non-linear storytelling, which we haven't really had in superhero stuff before, which is, again, another aspect. I think this is how you keep evolving the superhero genre by doing new things like this. And all this jumping through time and place, revealing the background of these characters and then seeing the future and think it, it was done. It's just done very, very well. And so overall, I'm very, very happy with this series. It was quite, it was faithful in a lot of ways to the comic, but it's not like the comic at all. Did you get a chance to read the comic? Not yet. You you gave me a copy, like you said you would, and I haven't had the chance yet. I wanted to read it before watching it, but I just didn't get the time. But I'm certainly gonna read it now that I've seen the series. It's different. It's different, and it's it's not different in a bad way at all. It's different in a good way because the way the the story is presented in the comic book, comic book storytelling is very different to TV storytelling. They have to, there's a lot of changes that need to happen, you know, to get to how a TV show is structured. So they have to add a lot of things. Comic book storytelling is very quick. You know, the, the whole, that whole season was done in six issues in the actual comics. And there's loads of differences between how the characters end up, if you know what I mean, what their sto overall story arc is. And especially the conclusion of the end of that is very, very different to the comic. It's, it's a 180. It's completely different comic. But they did it in a way that I go, cool, this is just another adaptation of these characters and this storyline in the showrunner's own way. So overall, I'm very, very happy with this TV show. So what's with that ending, though? Okay, so we're going to go into ending. So as of now, we've had no spoilers. So 
if you don't want to be spoiled for this or you don't want to see the last or you haven't seen the last episode yet stop the podcast now and come back to us a bit later but we're going to be going into spoilers now so that ending yes what was that the the apocalypse happened the apocalypse i was actually i thought which was surprising yeah i thought you know do you know what if they had ended it when the apocalypse happened and they all died i would have this would have been i would have given a 10 over 10 because that would have been so game of thrones of them to just end it but the fact that they've just all gone back to the past again it's just like okay so what's the oh you mean you could all go back to the past why didn't you just do it well he he says that i this is the first time i'm trying it i don't know if it's going to work so no i i liked that in the it's like i said it's very very different to the comic this ending in the comic mm-hmm. the, the they stop vanya which is number seven the one with the white violin yeah they stop her before the apocalypse happens she causes a lot of death and destruction but they don't she doesn't they stop her and, that, and you know happy happy ending this that this they didn't do it they went out the apocalypse happened so that was a big big twist so what if there is a season two which it, there oh, will be yeah. it, what 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 happens they go back to the do they retain their memories or i guess we'll see because the, the ending is so different to the comic book I don't know what the second chapter of the TV show is going to be. I know what the second chapter of the comic book series is because there was an ending to the, to se- the first one. But th- there is no, there wasn't a definite conclusion. So it, it did leave you on a cliffhanger. So I'm just interested to see how they're going to do this in season two. Well, so here's the thing. Another commendation I give um, the Umbrella Academy is one of the hardest type of stories to write are the ones that deal with time travel. It's extremely hard to write them. When you start jumping timelines, uh, it's it's hard to do. It's a very hard. It sounds easy on paper, but it's a very hard story to tell. And this is and they did it quite well. You know, they did it quite well. So that's another plus for the Umbrella Academy. The ending, I'm not too convinced about the ending because I'm gonna be really upset if I go to season two and season two is them repeating everything they've done in season one. It's just gonna be like a wasted opportunity. So I'm curious to see how, but it does look to me like they have, they know what they are doing. Yeah, I think based on how clever the storytelling was from season one, they're not gonna go and do something as lame as that in season two. I think they're, they're more than smart enough to know where to take the next season but we'll see i don't mean i'm, I'm so i want to see it now i just want to i want to see season two now do you did you notice and i don't know if you, um when they were talking they kept the camera kept on zooming in on the white violin it kept on cutting to that that means and they didn't take it with them when they went to the past they left it there on stage so the only time a director would do that is if that is part of the story so the fact that they left the violin in the future is going to play a part to it but it's just something it's just a little thing i noticed when i when the director kept on cutting to that shot of the violin on the floor i was like there has to be something about this violin and i noticed when they all they she didn't have the violin so we're, we're gonna see how that goes but so what do you score it well before i give it a score i'd also like to say what is really nice about this tv show is that it's you think you know where it's going to go at times and then it does a zigzag and takes you to someplace else and you thought, oh, I, I did not expect that. And I, I like a show that does that, that keeps you on edge in, in terms of like, you don't know what's going to happen next. And I hope they continue that in season two, very much like you said as well with time travel, when number five is in the, working in that in, in the time travel place, I thought that was all great. 
his the episode based on him i thought that was just so funny and he he's probably one of my other favorite characters the the young yeah, the young oh he he younger, carried that show to he, me he was yeah, the he, best to and, me. and from a 13 year old to carry a performance like that that's so here's that's the impressive. question I, I was gonna ask this question is it really young or they just make made up make up to make him look young is that really a 13 year old boy playing that part i mean i don't know if that's exactly his age but it is a boy yeah he is a boy yeah jeez i need to look him up he was very good yeah he was the main protagonist. he he was almost the story driver in a way he was almost narrating the story yeah because everybody else seemed to be confused or de- dealing with their own problems he was the only one that was sticking to that the main timeline an apocalypse is about to happen i knew about it and i have to stop which, it which does play out later on in the season because when they think that they've stopped the apocalypse he reflects on himself he's like what do i do now i've been so set on stopping the apocalypse that he's a bit like lost i really like that I really like that. For a 13-year-old to give that type of performance, I, I thought, man, th- th- this kid's got a big future. Yeah, we need to look him up we to, need to see, look at, see his actual age. age. But, yeah, but re- he regardless, he, he was a f- one of the best parts. Like he, Number five and number four. So I th- Klaus is number four. Those are my two favorite characters of, of the show. I really liked him. He was the drug The, drug the guy. junkie, He yeah. was so likable. Yeah. He was really so likable. He's, I was thinking to me, he, he's so likable. You want to be his friend. You want to hang out with him. Even though he's indulging in some very bad habits, you know, you still like him as a person. I, I know he was really good. And like you said, he had an arc and you see, saw him learning about his powers and all of that. And another thing you said, which I really agree with, is the fact that they kept pulling the rug under our feet. You think... The, the monkey is the bad person because he there was that time the girl left and he gave this he vicious gave look, look yeah. Yeah, yeah and you were like oh my god this you know it turns out you know he wasn't so bad you think um the professor was a bad person but he turns out what he did he did it because he loved the girl and was scared about what she could become another question that wasn't answered is how did he know because i believe that's the reason he, he, he sent number one to the moon because he knew that potentially he would have st- would have been in their way of stopping her because if he had his way they wouldn't have stopped her so maybe that's why he sent her to the moon do you not think maybe i don't know i mean the again we're talking spoilers here the last episode the the opening scene changes something very important to the comics is that sir reginald hargreaves is an alien where he's talking to his dead wife and then you see the ships flying off he's like this planet yes 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 and yes, i was yes, like yes, yes. what Yes. he's an alien <laughs> yeah he is an he's alien. an alien like that's not the comic at all that they that, that's new for the show which i thought okay that's interesting i forgot about that scene yeah yeah, yeah. it's a big twist i yeah. thought very big twist which still left it a bit unexplained though which hopefully we get more explanation in season two but. yeah so yeah, that's the thing so i think what netflix is i think I, I don't know but maybe what netflix is trying to do is marvel i'm sorry disney you've taken away your superhero thing from my library I'm going to start creating my own superhero. Yeah, universe. I mean they've got plenty in store. They've got they've bought the the rights to Valiant Comics, a whole comic line, you know, uh, which is more independent comics like Image and stuff like that. So they're going to do loads of properties there. They're working with Tim Miller a lot, and Tim Miller as we know is a big comic book guy, so yeah. I I'm looking forward to see because Netflix as we know are very uh, filmmaker driven they care about story and characters and they let the filmmakers sort of make what they want and I'm really interested that 
they are taking these independent comic book stories. They're not focusing on big superheroes anymore, which in a way is refreshing. And I think that's how the superhero, like I've said before, the superhero genre evolves and progresses is by doing these unique things. And what makes me really happy is that if someone watches this show and then goes, oh, this was a comic book. I'm going to go buy that comic book and check that out. That makes me really happy is when they watch a show and then they go buy these independent comics. That, that's for me is the big takeaway from this. Like, yeah, I'm pretty excited for Netflix. Um, I, I, I like the people running it. I don't know them personally, but the decisions they are making, the kind of shows they're releasing, I'm liking, I, I think the right people are in charge of Netflix and um, I'm happy they are on top and they will have a leg room because you know, Apple, whenever Apple comes into an industry, it disrupts it, you know, like it did with Apple Music and Spotify, like they did with mobile phones, they did with tablets. They normally disrupt you know so i'm you know i'm rooting for netflix in this war between this soon coming battle between the streaming services i'm rooting for netflix but uh, you know but we'll see how it goes. i mean at the end of the day we're all winners we're all winners at the end of the day because whether it's on netflix amazon or apple or whatever streaming site you choose to watch your movies and tv if it's good content who cares? Just watch it. And it's great. We're all winners. We're all getting amazing content. This is what I'm saying. And Umbrella Academy is a perfect example of that. True. Good thing is they don't make them too expensive. You know, yeah. you know, it's a very cheap to have these streaming. I, I, know, I know I say cheap, but, you know, and it's cheap is a relative word, but it's not like a mobile phone. It's not like your Sky broadband or your Sky yeah. TV where you pay hundreds of pounds every month. This is just less than about less than ten pounds. 10, less than ten yeah, pounds. Or ten dollars wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. so it's pr pr it's really affordable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now that we've given our thoughts on the Umbrella Academy, we go into our final segment of the show where we talk about what's coming and what we recommend for you listeners out there. Gentlemen. You had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. So what's coming, Andy? Anything special lined up? I think the film industry knows that there's one yeah. particular thing coming up. This is the weekend of the Oscars. All roads lead to the Oscars. So this week, all I'm looking forward to, not all, but the biggest thing I'm looking forward to film-wise film are the Oscars. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Is there going to be a gaffe? or something and we are going to be tweeting live um as it happens we're going to be expressing our thoughts on twitter hopefully you if you're listening you should hit us up on twitter our, our twitter handle is oh it's at the film seven podcast at film seven podcast hit us up follow us and i we will be tweeting um on the night of the oscars as it happens so if you can't stay up late just read our timeline on monday morning so that's the big one for me. You? Yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm going to be trying to watch as many of the movies nominated for Best Picture as possible. I still have a couple more to watch. Uh, judging from the amount of awards I got from the BAFTAs, I'm really interested in watching The Favourite because, you know, it, it looks to be quite good and it got a lot of recognition. So, yeah, why not? That looks pretty good. As I said in the previous episode, I have to give my uh, commitments to Roma. It's doing really well. I think even though my heart really wants Black Panther to win it, like because obviously I'm a comic book guy. This is this is history in the making. The fact it got nominated in the first place, uh, and and it was an amazing film. Out of all those films, it was my favorite to watch. Do you know? Maybe Roma was a better crafted film, but in terms of entertainment, in what I like, because I like to base films on rewatchability. 
that one was my favorite of the year. So I do really hope it wins. I don't think it's going to win it. It's in my opinion, it's won already. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if it won, I think that would be crazy. Uh, and you know, we're moving in a different direction. The film industry. I, I, I think it's good enough that it got nominated. But if it won, cool. But we'll, we'll see. I don't know. There's a lot riding on these Oscars. I think the fact that a lot of the nominations as well are from Netflix. Do you know what we were just talking about all this episode? How we consume media. The fact that we're getting Netflix shows when you know films being nominated for all these Oscars. I mean, fair play. For fair play, they're, they're being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And there'll be no host? There'll be no host. Uh, it's been confirmed now, that's it. Kevin Hart is, is not hosting. Uh, there is no host at all. They're using that to cut down on time, very much like that controversial removing of the cinematography awards and stuff like that. But no, no host. So uh, we're just going to get through the awards. Hopefully it won't take six hours <laughs> to get through, <laughs> but... We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Right. So like we said, follow us on Twitter and we will be live tweeting from the event. Yes. So uh, where can people find you, Andy? Um, I'm Nduaj, Nduaj on Twitter or on um, N-D-U-A-J on Twitter or via the Film 7 podcast. Excellent. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sweaty Jake and find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud and obviously Twitter as we go through the Oscar winners. So until then, until next week, bye-bye.